I'm sure the gardener's going to mess things up, but we'll figure it out. Of course. So we're recording now, so we can start whenever you want to, and then we'll edit out the, the, the beginning stuff. All righty, folks. We are back. The mighty seat. Man, there's some automated code in muscle, there. Muscle <laughs> memory right there. <laughs> All righty, folks. The Man vs. Web App podcast returns. Uh, this is Dan Kirkendall, and I am joined today uh, by David Howe and Garrett Gross. Welcome, guys. Howdy. Howdy. We are going to be, uh, in a lot of ways, kind of restarting this show and, uh, and I'm going to be taking a little bit of a backseat as David and Garrett are going to kind of move forward and, and kind of really run with this. Cause obviously I'm not very good at getting shows out. Uh, so these guys are going to take over the, the site and, uh, and I'll be participating. I'll still be here. I'll still be giving my opinions, uh, and sharing my insights. But, uh, these guys are really going to be doing a lot of the, the real groundwork to kind of get this thing done and, and bringing you, uh, these new voices to the, to the industry. So I'm excited. Uh, Dave, Garrett, thank you so much for, for doing this and kind of getting this show relaunched. Uh, it's going to be exciting. And obviously the, the singular man versus web app is going to have to, we'll have to just live with it. But, uh, you know, now it's the men versus web apps, I guess. It's all pluralized. <laughs> but um, so we're going to kick off today. Uh, we've got a, a lot to talk about. I mean, the industry has been moving like crazy. Uh, you know, we were just joking a moment ago that it seems like nothing has changed and everything has changed as far as AppSec. Uh, there's constantly new things happening and uh, the industry is always, always going. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear this printer, but it's like all of a sudden my wife is probably printing behind me here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not even coming in on my end. Okay. Well, we'll cut some of this, but um, maybe. Maybe we'll just let everybody kind of enjoy yeah. that uh, <laughs> craziness that is always going on. This is why I don't run the show anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's great though. It'd, it'd be better just to have, you know, real, real folks talking. Yep. Well, um, so my wife's probably going to walk in to pick up her paper in a minute. So in the meantime, awesome. uh, what we're going to talk a little bit about is how things have been changing. It, it definitely has been changing. The industry has been moving very fast. Um, you know, we, when I started this show, you know, back, Geez, I think I did the first episode in 2006, I believe. Um, maybe wow. 2008. I don't remember now exactly, but the very first thing was called the Mighty Seek Podcast back then. I was really talking about AppSec in the beginning and how things were really happening at the time. I, you know, kind of got a couple episodes talking about Web 2.0, and now we're really dealing with a world of Web 3.0 and beyond. Really, uh, AppSec has just continued to get more dynamic. Uh, so I'm going to kind of lay a little bit of a groundwork on the difference of, of web of these three generations of the web. And, and that's just kind of my view on it. Obviously everybody has different ways they want to kind of name these different stages of, of AppSec or app, app development really. Uh, but I'll just give everybody kind of a, a real quick primer and then we'll bring Dave and Garrett into the conversation a little bit. But in web 1.0, it was the traditional web, right? So it's like you're on a page you interact with it and then you submit it and it goes and does, you know, and it submits and then it comes back with a whole new response. Uh, that was kind of the traditional way and there's still a lot of pages and, and sites that work that way. But 
there's also kind of the, the web 2.0 is where individual pages become more dynamic, right? So think uh, your simple Google page, right? As you're typing, you know, you're at the, the Google, you know, main search page, as you type, um, it's suggesting things. Well, the way it's doing that is making calls in the background, right? These XML HTTP request calls, getting data and then updating, um, and then maybe you know, populating that little suggest section of the, of the screen. Uh, but then when you hit submit, it actually goes to a new page, right? And it launches a new page and does the search. Uh, that's kind of a web 2.0. Web 3.0 is more like email, where you're on one page, as we might call it, think about it as a single page application, which it's rarely ever a real single page app. But the idea is that you're really starting on a single page that's really then loading all kinds of JavaScript frameworks and, and templates and then generating the page. And as you click on things, it's making changes to the existing DOM. And you may rarely or never truly load an entirely new page, right? That would be like the full extreme. There's applications um, kind of cross these three generational development models constantly, but you definitely have those in existence in application development these days. So it's constantly, uh, you know, developers are picking what makes sense for the problem they're solving at the moment. Um, if they're not like, you know, full on, we're doing everything web 3.0 and just forcing it. Um, there's, you often see a mix and match of these three generational concepts in a single application. Uh, so that's kind of how things have gone. Now this obviously makes security very difficult. In traditional, we had kind of getting get, get some control of that. Uh, Web 2.0, you know, we, we started building technologies to start solving that. We're obviously, you know, uh, dynamic scanners in particular, we're kind of behind the curve on trying to keep up. And then all of a sudden Web 3.0 gets really introduced and really catches fire and is, you know, just growing like leaps and bounds and scanners are now struggling. Some scanners can't even still handle web 2.0, much less web 3.0. And so if you wanna be doing security testing, you really have to understand how all these work. Um, so let's, let's bring in Garrett and, and Dave here for a sec, but uh, do you feel like I've summarized kind of the, the three generations re re relatively well? And would you have anything else to comment that you've seen as far as these go? No, absolutely. Um, you know. A big piece of this is is not just how the the application and the user are interacting, but what's going on behind the scenes that unless you're familiar with with how you know web 2.0 and web 3.0 function, you know how that actually one makes a better usable experience for uh, for an end user, but two, how that changes what you can actually see is going on. you know a great example is, if you're on one of you know like a single page application versus a dynamic application and you just monitor the that network in your developer tools you can actually see uh, the difference in how things are called and what things are, are being done as that that application either moves through its dynamic side of that of that that page or from a, a single page application as the 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 state of that application continues to change and, and all the things that are going on behind the scenes that you don't see, you know, with your API calls and your, you know, your actual uh, uh, model rebuilds and everything. It's, it's kind of interesting when you look at it. You know, what's your thoughts, Garrett? Yeah, um, I'd say that it, it's a good 
point to make, uh, maybe to explain why these new web technologies make it harder for us in security. And it's, it's simple, you know, with web 1.0, you had a pretty much a static state of information that you could just scrape and then, you know, start to, to pen test off that and see if there are any exploitable weaknesses. But with uh, 2.0 and 3.0, and especially Dave, you talked about this a lot with kind of the encapsulated technology where you have multiple different languages pretty much performing, working in concert to perform the same function, it's hard to parse all that out, especially if you're relying on automated scanning uh, and not you know, augmenting that with any kind of manual testing. So I think it's, it's crazy that, that it's, it's gotten this far, but um, you know, it's, uh, change is inevitable. And, and I like that we're in a position where we're able to adapt um, to the new languages that folks are, are using. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I'll, I'll make clear, because we obviously come from a perspective of focusing, our daily life is focused on uh, building a dynamic scanner, right? So that's going to be inherent to our point of view. But, you know, holistically, we do try to understand that there, there, people are solving all of this in different ways, right? And we're, we try to be very aware of all the different ways that you can solve it. Uh, but Dave, you brought up a great point in that you know, I kind of talked about how the user interface kind of works and how the, the general scope is. But as you dig in behind the scenes, as you start looking at what's actually happening back, you know, behind things, uh, all of a sudden it gets real complex because now all of a sudden you're really looking at, you know, often RESTful APIs and all the activity going on there. You're dealing with uh, these JavaScript frameworks, right? Angular, React, uh, you know, Bootstrap, there's tons of them, right? Ember, there's Doombers, and they're all very complicated and add a bunch of things. So automated scanning struggles with them for sure, but so does human pen testers, right? If I'm a human pen tester and all of a sudden I'm looking at this app and I go view source on the page, it's like, oh, geez, what am I looking at? I'm looking at right. like probably five lines of code, right, with a bunch of just JavaScript includes. And then I go grab one of these JavaScript includes and it's been optimized for space and so it's just like one long string of madness, right? And yeah, or you got like 30 different routes that you have to actually follow to figure out what it is that it's actually doing. Yeah, yeah, you well, tidy it up and you still can't figure it out. Right? And one, one point to make is, you know, oftentimes it's the security folks that are tasked with, with assessing, you know, the, the, um, the status of that application. And yeah, we're, we don't really speak JavaScript just natively. I mean, it's something that you have to, you have to learn. So yeah, it, it's, even the human element. That's that's a that's a great point. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge across the board in in being able to to test and assess these real these very dynamic applications, and that's how people are building. So people are building ahead of security techniques and tools right. and processes, um, and a lot of people aren't aware that they're kind of outpacing their tools. Right? It's yeah. like you know, it's like a celebrity who is running faster than his security guards, right? He doesn't realize like he's leaving his security guards behind and he's out on his own, right? Like, um, you know, it's put, it doesn't mean something's going to necessarily happen, but it, it certainly puts you at risk, right? No, um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, situation that we're dealing with and it's reflected that people still don't deal with this and it's crazy. I've been doing AppSec for 16 years, uh, you know, like full time and you know, we're just looking at the Black Hat schedule and the DEF CON schedule, and and so I'll, I'll mention that right now. Garrett's over, and that's his. Uh, he's at in a, in his hotel room right now recording. Um, 
And uh, so that pole is there because he's in Vegas, <laughs> not in his bedroom at home. Uh, if you end up seeing the video of this, <laughs> it's um, the. Uh, I, can, I can neither confirm nor deny any of that. <laughs> yeah, the one at home is much nicer, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, even when you look at the 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 roster of speaking schedule, you know, the 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 all of the sessions, there is still very little about AppSec. Uh, right. I think the security industry still is is hung up on coming from the network side of things and, you know, IT and, and network ops. Um, and then, you know, the pen testers that are breaking, you know, services. But the right. applications, which, quite frankly, everybody is using on their mobile phone, on their, you know, on their computer, on their websites, the world is made up of, of web apps and web services, and they get so little coverage. Um, and it's still such a, uh, Garrett, you mentioned this, that you feel like it's such a greenfield. And uh, Absolutely. You know, so I was, I was gonna make that point, is that maybe the thing with the network engineering, why that's still so, um, I don't know, in vogue, is because it's a more, call it what it is, it's a more approachable subject. I think that, you know, we're still figuring out how to do AppSec, let alone what technologies to apply to it. Um, it's it's just still a bit unapproachable. Yeah, if you think about it, though, when when we look at it from a network perspective, you know, the security teams have been forced to work with your your network guys, your IT ops yeah. guys, things like that for a long period of time, right? Right. They understand, you know, firewalls. They understand, you know, server configurations and things like that. You know, you talk to a security guy and start talking about, you know, in dev speak around, you know, how, how you know, their SDLC and their CICD, you know, uh, process is, you know, yeah. how, you know, what frameworks are being utilized and, you know, are there multiple frameworks and how all that handles and, you know, what areas of the application are, are you know, sensitive and you don't want to, to actually, you know, really hit very hard, you know, they get lost because, you know, you don't have app set guys that are embedded with their developers and developers that are used to talking all the time with their security guys, you know? Well, I mean, but there's also a shared parlance, I would think, between the network guys and the security folks that's kind of built in. Absolutely. Application developers. Yeah, I mean, you would never hear of, of uh, something where the, the network guys are gonna say, hey, I'm gonna do these firewall settings because I want to and that's secure. They're going to talk with the security guys and they're going to actually test those out as part of that process, right? If they're, at least if they know what they're doing. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of the problem that we see and a lot of the challenge is uh, not only educating because, you know, we still have a lot of questions that we all have to answer, myself included, but, um, you know, maybe teaching people how to do AppSec and, and, and approaching that from a, Hey, you know, there are different ways to, to, you know, to do this. And, and I don't know, that's, that's my take on, on why we just don't see it as, as pervasive as the network stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dan, you've been here for a long time. You've seen the iteration changes, you know, what, what's your take on, on how things have, have developed and where we need to go? You know, I had for a long time hoped that there would be, uh, it would get more approachable, right? AppSec would become more approachable over time. And it's really kind of gone entirely the opposite direction. It's gotten to be, you know, the apps, app developers are progressing so fast that, you know, the, the security teams just have no chance for the most part, right? It is so difficult uh, for them to keep up 
you know, unless they come from a development background, uh, it, and, and there's not a lot of people that go from dev to security because dev pays so well, right? Yeah. Dev, <laughs> dev can pay well. And this is, you know, quite frankly, one of the problems. Uh, it, you can get pay raises coming from network, you know, from IT and network up into security is, is often a pay raise. Going from app to app security, unless you're going into the app sec industry, doesn't pay as well. So the, 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 the things that would kind of, the, the triggers that would cause, you know, this to, this to progress, just haven't been there. Uh, and, and really, you know, it, it's a shift. A lot of people who, build, who are developers enjoy building something. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a different mentality to be somebody who wants to tear things down, right? Yeah, right? Um, and it's, yeah. and it's, not a lot of, it's not a lot of people who enjoy both as much. So it's just been, it's, I've seen it not nearly progress as far as I had hoped uh, over the years. Like I've been doing, again, doing this for so long, I thought it would get better. Yeah. Uh, and it's really kind of gotten worse. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm hoping that one of the things we could do in this show is maybe make this more approachable by, uh, and I know this uh, sounds a little counterintuitive and, and maybe you guys have a slightly different vision, but I'm hoping that if we really dig into this in real technical speak and really dive into individual details, uh, it may be ultimately more approachable because people hear little buzzwords, but what does that mean? Mm -hmm. you know? And I like doing that. I like saying, Hey, what is, if we're talking about RESTful APIs, let's, let's actually show what it looks like. Let's, let's get in and show traffic and talk about why developers use it, how they're using it, what it looks like. And absolutely very technical. And, and we may have to definitely produce some video versions or some, uh, you know, uh, web pages that they can go to to visualize some of the things we're talking about, but yeah. hopefully we can make it more approachable by being more technical than a lot of shows that just talk about the news and the concepts and don't really dive into the core details. Yeah. So when the, uh, when, yeah, when, when we start talking about, you know, how, how do we, how do we bring, you know, man versus web back, web app back and what is that going to look like and everything you know, I, I think that that all of us agreed that we don't want it just to be this, you know, two guys talking about, you know, whatever just happened to be in the news today, or, you know, I had a Rolodex of terms that I just kind of flipped through and chose and went, ooh, this is what we're going to talk about today. That you know, we wanted to actually, you know, bring that technical side, but at the same time, not make it so technical that, you know, all the people that are just trying to break in are just like, I have right. no idea what they're stating. So... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so some of the things that we're, we're hoping to bring into this is a breakdown, just like you said, of, okay, from I don't know anything, let's talk about what this is, why it's important, and, you know, how that is done within our day-to-day -day world, but also to be able to even expand on that and do those really deep dive technical things, you know, and if possible, even throw some challenges out there where we're like, hey, you know, how do, you know, what is a SQL injection? How do I do it? Okay, let's, let's actually let you go out to a public facing, you know, uh, vulnerable web app and tell you what we want you to do. And then you see you can do it. And then the next time we'll actually show you how to do that. So you actually understand what's going on. Because I think that's one of the big things that I've noticed in the industry is that everybody's looking for this magic bu button that they can push and it just poof does everything. Well, 
when that doesn't work or when you're not sure if it's working, how do you understand what it's doing to actually see if it's effective as a tool or not? And that takes first understanding how to actually manually do that without the tool. Yeah. You agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm absolutely you know, comfortable saying that I came from a network engineering background and I had to learn AppSec and it was a lot of things that I assumed I would just know. And, you know, you kind of had to go back to the, the building blocks and, and discuss what a state transfer is. Like, what are you actually doing when you're, when you're hosting web services and, and why is that and, and stuff? So I, I, I think we could definitely get technical and make it interesting without making the majority of the audience's eyes roll in the back of their head. <laughs> Perfect. So um, we also, Garrett's at, uh, at Black Hat, uh, yep. and, uh, but you're staying there for DEF CON really is what you're going to go and try to enjoy a little bit, right? Uh, Absolutely. So what have you seen so well, far? What's, uh, you know, what reports do you got? And I think, I think we're, if I understand right, we're going to be sending you out on the, out into the conference to go try to pick up some, some interviews or, or at least record some, uh, you know, live from the floor uh, recordings that we'll, we'll toss in here <laughs> in, in post-production. But uh, that should be interesting. We'll see how that turns out. All right, so we're here at DEF CON. I'm here with my friend, Rick. We want to talk a little bit about AppSec. So tell me, where are you at on your AppSec journey? Uh, well, uh, I've been uh, I've been doing it as a hobby for uh, maybe ten years or so, but I, I just recently, in the last year or so, uh, started doing uh, like contract work for people, uh, small businesses mainly, uh, a dog walker, um, a, uh, a clothing alteration store, you know, small stuff like that. Um, a lot of it is uh, I'm, I'm just reading whatever I can on the internet, uh, books, wherever I can get the information, uh, and then applying that to my work. Uh, you know, test it myself. If something breaks, then you know, try it again, build it better, uh, and that's the, that's that's pretty much uh, how it's going right now. Okay, what what challenges are you running into as a someone who is trying to sell AppSec services? Man, what challenges do you have? People kind of resistant to the necessity of AppSec, or um, the challenge now is probably yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, Getting people to understand uh, the importance of uh, you know taking the extra time to to do security to make these tests to build things better. I also make websites uh, for people, um, and uh, you know people want stuff you know fast. They want it now. They want the website for their store to be up and running uh, as soon as possible. And sometimes you got to explain to people. We have to, you know, uh, go over these other things. We have to make sure this is secure, that these inputs are secure. Because, you know, once your website is out there on the Internet, uh, especially if you collect customer names and information, uh, you've got to make really sure that you do that right the first time because you may not get a second chance. Yeah, no, you're right. So a lot of what we work with are dev shops that are building applications, and they interface with security teams who assess the security and oftentimes those two teams don't really see eye to eye yeah yeah do you interface with mostly security folks or is it dev teams or is it kind of a hodgepodge of both or um i'm actually uh like like i said i'm i'm mostly doing uh small businesses i don't usually interface with anyone besides the customer sometimes the, uh, they'll have an it person 
uh, that uh, also does a kind of a mix of things for whoever I'm working for. Yep. And uh, I can talk with them sometimes. You know, if they uh, if they already have some kind of uh, application that they've made for like. Uh, inventory management or something like that. Yeah. Uh, then I'll talk with that person. But usually, it's mainly just the customer. Actually, in my experience, sure. it's probably not the same for everyone else. No, no, and 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 this is a great perspective. So my last question, I, again, appreciate you so much. Hey. What works better for your scenario? Kind of a portable, installed on a laptop, take it from site to site to assess, or would something centrally located up in like a like AWS where you could fire from anywhere. What what works better for your application? Um, that second thing would probably be uh, best, but what I usually do is, uh, it's all local businesses that I've been with. I haven't, I haven't gone, in, uh, I haven't worked with someone uh, like across the country from where I am or anything. Sure. Um, I mainly just use my laptop, uh, take it on the road, go to the customer uh, at their house, at their business, wherever they are. Yep. Uh, and I pretty much just do the work there. Uh, I find that's also pretty easy because I can uh, have the customer right there and we can both talk. You know, there's no uh, text messaging or email. Everything just gets uh, talked out right there. Uh, and that's that's been very helpful uh, for getting uh, the work done that much faster and more efficiently. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, any final thoughts, any uh, words of wisdom for folks that are looking at AppSec or anything you want to put out there into the ether? Um, read a lot. Practice on your own. Uh, have a home lab. That's been especially helpful. Uh, if I didn't have a home lab where uh, I could make things and break things and build them better, uh, I probably wouldn't be nearly as far as I am now. Uh, practice, 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 as with almost anything else in life. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Uh, but what are you seeing so far? Is there is there kind of themes and trends? Sometimes there, there's pretty clear themes that the industry is all talking about at once. Um, let me give you a breakdown of kind of what what what's happening this week. What what is it? Why am I here? What am I doing? Uh, what are all these cons about? Um, it's it's pretty cool. So I, I actually grew up in Vegas, and I've been going to uh, the DefCon Hacker Conference for longer than I'll admit, and. Uh, it's, it's really great. It's a week for all of us to kind of get together. Traditionally, you know, in the security field, we don't, we're not in physical proximity with one another. So in addition to, um, you know, learning about the space and sharing ideas and stuff, it's, it's also a, a chance to just kind of regroup with your unbelievably small industry. So I'll kind of break it down. You've got B-sides, first off, which is your, um, I don't know, you kind of describe it as an alt-con. You know, B-sides kind of started as the... Um, the other con for, you know, not the, the, the big corporate sponsorships and not the, the crazy uh, black hat hackers at DEF CON. It was just kind of a, another place to go and, and learn information. And some of the talks tend to be uh, a little bit more um, community driven and kind of, you know, building block stuff. And I really like it because there was a whole room dedicated to vendors, not only security vendors, but I even saw some financial institutions there that are there to talk to people about their careers and how to get started in InfoSec or how to get started, you know, um, working with a, a security vendor. So that was really cool. Um, so that's B-Sides in a nutshell. Uh, it sold out unbelievably quickly. So if you guys are interested next year, um, I'll, I'll probably start asking around now because uh, there are tricky ways to kind of get a badge and um, it's, it's pretty hard to get one if you don't go the official routes. Um, then you got Black Hat, which is Black Hat, uh, Dave, correct if I'm wrong, that was actually started by DT as well, who started DEF CON. It's kind of a vendor uh, version of DEF CON to lead up to that. Is that about right, kind of? Yeah, kind of. 
I thought well, Star Black Hat yeah. started first. It did. No. Yeah. So, well, oh, it did. It, it kind of depends on, on how you look at it. So um, it, it started out in, in Vegas. Now there's actually multiple locations. Um, it was really supposed to be something that was vendor neutral, but it wasn't vendor adverse where a lot of these little hacker groups and communities and meetups were very vendor adverse. You know, we didn't want all that kind of stuff. It was started out as a way of actually bringing people together to, um, uh, to, to see what the vendor's point of view were and how they could help us. Right. It also started offering training and things like that to help people who were trying to get into the to the the hacking you know world you know a, a way of actually going and learning how to do all this stuff in a uh, a more uh, hacker friendly environment as it were. Sure, sure. So yeah, it, so I, I was just looking at the at Wikipedia and you know if it's yeah, correct it, or not, but I guess DefCon was first in '93. Uh, I didn't realize so, that. So DefCon's started as a party. DEFCON was yeah. a going away party for someone who never showed up and Je Jeff Moss just decided to just keep going. And let me tell you, I think the first one I went to was like number nine or 10. It was still in the Alexis Park and it was not really a conference. I mean, it was a party. Like it was a party and it was cloistered groups of folks getting together and hacking stuff. And it was totally cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely evolved. You know. Um, I haven't been to DEFCON proper in maybe seven or eight years. So I haven't seen kind of what it's evolved into. Um, Black Hat is certainly, um, I, I got my first taste of it today and it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's insane. They're the vendor hall is, you know, all the swag and booths and crazy stuff. And um, ours is just nuts. Just people wrapping around the booth. It's it pretty awesome. Um, so that's my Vegas report for now. Um, today, it's going to be just more Black Hat stuff, uh, more meeting with folks. Uh, we've got a crazy party tonight where we rented out a uh, the nightclub at Caesars. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, but then DEF CON, uh, that'll be starting tomorrow. And uh, like Dan said, I'll be grabbing some, um, some interviews, if you will. And uh, we'll splice those into the, the final product later and uh, – We'll kind of go from there, but yeah. yeah hopefully you can bust it out when people are really drinking, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're not drunk <laughs> enough, you better be again. Yeah, this is not a microphone. <laughs> I'm not sticking a microphone in your face, but this is, this is my no. cell phone. What, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite thing to do is uh, to, to take one of my burner phones that just kind of, you know, signals out to everywhere and uh, see how much malware I can pick up as I'm, I'm at death. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah for for the audience that don't know dave is like an ultra goon at in defcon and yeah he's he's pretty much royalty of the past several years up there so who knows what that guy gets into yeah i i've been going i had gone my first black hat was 99 so it started 98 99 uh in 2000 is when i, I so i was at foundstone in 2000 so i went with, I went 99 myself and then 2000 with the Foundstone people. And uh, and it was so much smaller. It was such a totally different vibe. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and then it was weird how it just kept evolving because there was a period of time, it was like five or six years where DEF CON got lazy in ways in that it had all the same speakers, but the <laughs> drunk version. 
right? <laughs> and that was actually fun, but it was like lazy for me. Like the organizers were kind of lazy. It's like, this is all the same people, right? <laughs> so instead of paying 3000 bucks to do it with Black Hat, I'll pay a hundred bucks and do it with DEF CON, right? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> pricey though. Huh? That's another thing. Yeah, DEF CON's gotten pricey though. So really a big difference between Black Hat and DEF CON was because Black Hat was more vendor focused, it was about who you were and everything. So, you know, it, it really became more about the, the vendor and the name recognition and everything. Whereas at DEF CON, you know, cash only, anonymous, you know, we don't want people there. You know, in fact, a lot of people um, didn't even know about Sky Talks. Um, you know, if you've, if you've been there to those and where, you know, it's like industry leaders would come there and talk under pseudonames and nobody would know about it so that, you know, their companies wouldn't actually get and, you know, fire them for the discussions that they were having there about how to, how to hack and break stuff. It was great, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it was just kind of this, like this party mentality that's always underlined and persisted everything. Now, the interesting thing is how things evolved, you know, I mean, when you look at it, you know, you're, you always had the ultra vendor one, which is RSA. And then you had the vendor hacker one, which was black hat. And then you had the, the more of the, the party hacker side, um, which was DEF CON. And then your small cons with your, your B sides, you know, and, and, you know, there's a plethora of other ones that are out there, you know, along with that, um, you know, and, and some of those started coalescing into to DEFCON, like QueerCon and, you know, things that go are going on in tandem with that, that a lot of the same people um, um, uh, go to. But it's it started to evolve these ones. And so, you know, we keep joking that, you know, Black Hat's become the new RSA and DEFCON's become the new Black Hat and B-Sides have become the new DEFCON. So it's kind of interesting to see these grow up and how they explode and how that explosion changes the vibe and the quality of what you get. Cause you know, the interesting thing is, is that you kind of, you get this really cool, um, you know, ultra level set with these small ones where you're either got, you know, junk that, that people are, are, you know, just starting to break out into the speaker community, or you've got these hardcore guys that are doing things, you know, in the back rooms that, you know, you stumble upon with a beer and you're like, oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what you want to get into. And those are called Sky Talks. And oh, those, yeah. are, those are invite only. And if you get caught recording any of that, I mean, you yeah. probably lose a finger or two. I don't know. It's, it's great. And, you know, but as they evolve, a lot of that has to, to you know, get weeded out just to, right. you know, help with the vibe. You know, DEF CON's a great example of that. You know, we still got a lot of really good speakers, but there's so many people that come there from all yeah. over that the talks are a lot higher level and not as deep anymore as, as you used to see in the past or all about fun and games. Whereas, you know, before it was fun and games because you were drunk while you were doing a deep dive into how to do Bluetooth hacking or how to take over a, a yeah. cell phone tower, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. you know, but it's also evolves the culture, you know, um, it, DEF CON's a great example of that o over the years, you know, when it first started, it was like a frat party, you know, now it's, it's taken more of a protected status. I mean, if you, if you talk to the, to the, 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 the goons, you know, especially the sock goons and the people that are there, you know, they're there to make that environment as safe and as friendly as possible to you 
to right. allow you to have a good time and to make that. And, and, and I think people don't realize that a lot of times that, you know, we're trying, they're trying to make this bigger and more inclusive. And so that kind of changes the vibe, but that doesn't make it a bad thing. You know, if you're still looking no. for a frat boy party, go to B-sides, you know, if, if you're looking for that more unifying approach, DEF CON is still a great place to go. So yeah, I well, can tell they, you. They force people okay. to, to get to know each other by having these ridiculously long lines to get in each room. <laughs> so that's how they force these uh, you know awkward geeks to like actually talk because they're stuck with each other for three and four years <laughs> <of> time. <laughs> yeah, they call that line con, and that's line con. line con is the biggest con out there. <laughs> it's, it's like it South by Southwest, you know, it's the line culture anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I think B sides is definitely coming up. Um, I, I definitely would not compare it to DEF CON, and I think that's a good thing. Because with today's culture, I don't know that we could have another DEF CON of the earlier years. Con, you know? Yeah. I, I, it's, yeah. Well, we're looking they're, forward. They're like, we'll definitely be looking forward to hearing, you know, what, uh, what your experience is as you're there. I, uh, I had anticipated being out there today, but uh, started feeling a little ill, so I just decided to skip it for now. We'll see what happens the rest of the week. But uh, We'll be looking forward to, to Garrett and having your, you know, interviews slash uh, recon, as you said. That's right. That's right. <laughs> of, you know, there's always that one golden nugget that comes out of these, you know. A great example is uh, last year, if you, if you went, you know, Netflix did a great talk around, you know, how they accidentally and now purposely dosed their, their REST microservice, you know. Yeah. You know, and nobody would have thought about doing something like that until until then, you know. So I, I think a good thing, you know, kind of towards what you were talking about earlier, Dan, is, you know, is, is taking everything that you saw, looking back at it, and then for that for this next one, you know, kind of doing those, you know, taking a look and listening at those interview at some of those interviews, talking about it, and then taking one of those golden nuggets and actually doing a technical breakdown of that and actually showing how you could actually exploit that. What do you think about that, Dan? Sounds good. I think we'll we'll have fun kind of going back and doing some wrap ups and and talking about it uh, as we kind of get the show going again. Absolutely. Cool. Well, guys, you know this is awesome. I'm excited. Uh, and again, Dave Garrett, I'm excited that you guys are willing to pick up the torch and uh, get it relit and and start running again with it. So uh, I will be here to do everything I can to contribute, but. Uh, you know, a lot of it's going to be your show, and and so uh, I think the audience is really going to enjoy your 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 perspective on things. I've enjoyed working with you guys, so uh, I'm sure they're going to all enjoy the perspective. Uh, we look forward awesome. to it, Dan, and we're glad to to be able to have somebody of your caliber that's that's here as well to kind of help drive some of these and make sure that we're pushing things to the next level too. Same, yeah. Awesome. All right. Awesome, well, I guess that's this show. Uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, I think what is it that we're planning to do every two weeks? Is that something? Is that about right? Uh, we're, we're we're shooting for at least monthly. We'd like to get every two weeks. Okay. All right. Well, let's try to let's try to knock them out. Awesome. All right. Take care. We'll Bye be guys. back.